0: You know you're a fake. You know that your whole network, the way you cover it, is fake. And most of you, and not all of you. Let me ask you this. Why didn't Biden, why didn't, why did Biden apologize? Why did he write a letter of apology? No, that's very important. Why did the Democrats think that I acted too quickly?
1: of the audience hello out there wherever you are um it's uh it's another podcast oh, and it's another yeah yeah right 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 that's you always have to say that by the way so you're not listening to podcast fiona but people are always at the end of their podcast going stay healthy stay home okay. can we do that yeah, all- yeah we'll do that we'll do that. we can come up with all the cliche because they're now cliche i think um yeah yeah i don't have a new sign off for this era but yes for for the people in the future that are listening, or, or the present, this is still the era of the um, COVID nineteen virus, and so everyone is home basically, um, un- unless you it's sunny in Amsterdam, and then you're you're just near your home, but you might be outside. It's it's uh, we got to talk about that maybe. Um, but so on the line, because of course we can't be uh, next to each other in person, uh, but on the line from Berlin, it's Fiona Krakenberger. Hello, Fiona.
2: Hello, Mark.
1: I, I I almost carried on your last name too short or then too Never long. No, but then you
2: definitely caught it.
1: Yeah. Because I always just read Octopus Citizen. And then <laughs> well, I'm like, I always oh, call yeah. you
2: Bicycle Mark. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> you can just yeah. continue doing that. Yeah. Uh, but Fiona, you're home in Berlin. How is Berlin today as far as you know?
2: In fact, I would say as with many things at the moment, things are changing so fast. Um, But I think since probably two or three days, I would say cautiously that people are a bit more relaxed and that things are easing out a little bit concerning the numbers. The weather is nice. Um, And I think there's less insecurity in the air. So that is definitely helpful. And I would say people in Berlin are doing better. Um, But of course, we're still grappling and trying to um, cope with all the things that are happening. There are definitely people like myself who are at home who still have their jobs, who are getting their salaries paid, who are busy, who are not alone. That are pretty... Um, good position but then there's also of course a lot happening in the city that is hidden at home we are definitely discussing a lot about families, um, domestic violence, um, stuff like that so that's definitely keeping us busy and then all the economical implications but I would say that in general the trend is Towards a little bit less anxiety, a bit more assurance. I think people, <laughs> when we're talking about the seven faces, what is it? Seven faces, uh, isolation, acceptance, uh, remorse, anger, we're definitely a bit more at acceptance. Um, and people are now arranging with the situation and there's more clarity yeah. about what is this contact permission and what is allowed, what not. Um, that's definitely um easing up a little bit. And and we're we still can go outside. So We actually get to um, feel that the weather is coming better. We definitely get some sun if we want to. Uh, We can take walks. Uh, Everyone's a runner these days. Uh, (laughs) We can be a marathon runner and a great cook (laughs) at the end of this. Um, Yeah, so things are good, better, um, still difficult. And for me personally, um, things are also okay
1: yeah yeah it's it's interesting to i mean it's not the only city but it's certainly an important city when it comes to hey people work in industries where they have probably been working at home occasionally for quite a long time and so now they're in a situation where they're just going to do more of it i mean i think berlin is a an example maybe an exception if we go worldwide uh to where many countries that's still not the case many capital cities not necessarily the case yeah
2: i can imagine that the quota of graphic designers per <laughs> thousand <laughs> inhabitants probably pretty high so yeah we're still i mean i, I know a lot of friends who just uh, continue their work with of course a lot of friction for those who are not who don't have remote remote work in their uh, organizational dna so to say um that's not the case for yeah. me uh so i'm i'm Not a lot of things have changed for me, but there are definitely others who need to arrange a little bit more. I just read an article today about the uh, public officials where we Germany has a notorious bad reputation, uh, rightfully so, when it comes to digitalization and the uh, public officials and um, administration. And it seems like only like five percent or so can actually um, continue doing their work when they're at home. Because uh, we don't have that kind of e-government that we want to have.
1: But that was them rejecting it out of principle, right? Like, we don't want too much of this because it's it's interfering or invading our privacy or something? That- you,
2: know, so you should probably be somewhat familiar with the state of <laughs> e-government in Germany, right? Because if you work with media and the uh, open community in Germany.
1: I, I know. For me, I know that uh, there's always a healthy question mark uh, amount of suspicion towards making too many things e um and it's always the question of oh is this one of those things that if we make it all virtual it's dangerous for people's data rather not do it um but i don't know what the real state of things how far uh the, the, the country is especially on a government level mm. but uh, yeah
2: yeah it's probably um, uh, multi-dimensional as we call it these days I think there's a lot of skepticism but there's also lack of resources you can't just throw so many changes on, on people's desk every week uh, together with new regulations we've got um, you know um, there are contracts active that make it difficult to change systems um, and vendors uh, who could, you know, program new systems for you. Um, so I think, yeah, lack of resources, uh, general skepticism, also uh, caution because of certain data security, privacy implications. That's all, that all goes into the mix, uh, which makes um, e-government uh, a, a thing um of distant future <laughs> dreams. Okay. Um, yeah. But that's, I, I mm. mean, that's just one of those organizations. I think they're having a bit of a trouble right now, but maybe there's going to be a push. Um, like one of these things that could be a potential good, uh, implication of the situation that we're having right now. Um, I, I could maybe see that, uh, but there's probably also other priorities, uh, when all this is over.
1: Yeah. Fiona, uh, Sometimes we know things about our friends without having talked to them directly, and then we don't have all the details. That's basically what social media is. Um, I know for that me, you're
2: really big into frisbee, but we've never talked about it.
1: They're, they're they're now they just hang on the wall. It's true, basically. Yeah, I've, that's another thing. Since we're all home now, I, we invent. I hope we invent things. It's fun. So I've invented a new system for hanging my frisbees on the wall. Ooh. Since I'm not throwing them as much because uh, it's taken a toll on my on my knees, which still hurt right now, which oh, no. is annoying. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's hard to get physical therapy these days. Mm-hmm. But um, indeed, indeed, the things that we know about each other. Yeah, I, I still play frisbee sometimes, but not on a aggressive level anymore. <laughs> um, but you, what was it a year ago? You started going to DC a lot. Mm-hmm. I never before that. I never thought of you in DC as a thing. But then you started going to DC, you seem to be having a good time, plus I think you had things you were doing there. I mean, talk a little bit about your, your relationship with uh, the District of Columbia.
2: <laughs> it's a fairly good relationship. Uh, we're on and off right now. It's a distant relationship uh, due to the situation. But uh, yeah, I um, started working for an organization that is based in DC, um, the Open Technology Fund uh, As you probably know, I've been working with the Prototype Fund in Germany before and the Open Knowledge Foundation. The Prototype Fund was a civic tech fund or is still. um, And I, after five years at Open Knowledge Foundation, I was looking for something new. And I always had an eye out on uh, the Open Technology Fund because I was really... Um, I wouldn't say a big fan, but I was really always impressed by the work and following what they're doing in terms of funding technology. And then I applied and, um, yeah, thankfully it worked out. And I joined the team in December 2018. And then in 2019, I spent a couple months in DC to... um, Yeah, just to get a a hold of the organization. Um, I spent my first three months in the job there for the sort of inauguration and um, getting used to the work and getting to know the processes. And then since then, I've been going back for uh, usually one or two months um, to spend time with the team that is mostly dispersed around the world. But there are a couple of people um, that are uh, based in D.C.,
1: yeah, yeah. I know OTF, there have been projects over the years that they have put their support behind and they make quite a difference. Um, and also they have a gathering of maybe every year. I guess that's off mm-hmm. now, whenever that was going to be. Oh
2: yeah, the OTF um, Summit, that is true, for yeah. all the projects that we support.
1: Yeah, somewhere in Asia normally? or. Uh, it like depends,
2: it's depends. always um, okay. in other places. But that's definitely something that I was really interested in as the Project plan also does that. Um, and I yeah. think it's a great practice for funds to enable their... Um, the people that they support to meet each other and connect
1: yeah yeah i guess we like with many things but um the world of open source the world of um uh, well i'm gonna say activism um in technology there's always this element of meeting <laughs> and you know what are we we were in april there would have been the ifs Oh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, internet freedom forum in Valencia. That's like a yearly thing. I think people look forward to it. I think it has some usefulness. I was supposed to go, I think. I can't remember anymore because now it's all a blur. But uh, all these events, right, are now not going to happen. And on the same hand, these are technology related uh, groups of people around the world. So uh, I don't think it throws them off either. You know, they're still able to talk it's just this yeah that element of meeting in person yeah uh, that is now removed
2: yeah i would say for those that are let's say well established in the community it's probably not that much of a deal i think we can all handle the situation and look forward to meeting next year in valencia or the other internet freedom related uh, yeah. events but it's definitely i feel like these events are usually a good entry point for new people working on technology that need to meet um and it's always you know we do meet uh, we have all these technical um tools uh, that we like and dislike about establishing trust between each other um but there's nothing like an in-person meeting of course um that definitely establishes the trust that is needed in these communities that are really affected by um sanctions from governments or other um, um players or actors in the field um so it's definitely it's really a bummer we can't meet, but I think um, it's, it's definitely not um, as dramatic if we consider, we hope for that we can meet next year again.
1: Yeah. You, you mentioned it a little bit in the beginning, um, the, the, the areas or aspects of life right now that I think there's an element of what you're worried about, but there's also an element of what, or the organizations you're involved with worry about. Um, let's go with you personally. Um, wh- you mentioned, for example, uh, domestic violence uh, or what's going on in the homes now. I-, I think people have heard or have thought about this, but just in case, um, you know, what do you what do you want to know or what are you concerned about um, that now? Is perhaps more prevalent, uh, or just you know, this is the time to to really talk about it and, and see. And and then the question of what can be done is a yeah another thing.
2: Well, I mean, I'm 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 definitely not an expert on um, as, as for example, social workers are, but friends of mine are social workers, and they I've talked with them a little bit about the situation and the concerns that they have. But in general, you know, um, it's it's kind of echoing the the um, protests or like the political statements from I guess uh, from back in the decades the more things are moved into the private um, the mm-hmm. more they elude any kind of control or support and um, I think in any kind of country I think today or yesterday someone from the World Health Organization appealed to every government to provide structures and um, of support for women especially but I guess also families and children who are trapped in the places where they should be safe, um, which is their home. Um, And usually, you know, there are places, there are ways how you can flee your home if you unfortunately have to find a place for refuge that is not your home. And these um, support structures have traditionally been underfunded uh, in many places, which is now really falling on our feet and we are stumbling upon it, like with so many things we are learning right now. Um, And that is something that really, I mean, there's personal scale, local scale, global scale. Um, and locally, that is the thing that is really breaking my heart that I know there are a lot of people out there right now that do not have the places where they can go. They do not have um, shelters where they can go. Um, it's really hard on um, uh, for the police, for example, to react to all this, those calls they are mm. receiving. receiving. Um, and a friend of mine, she's a social worker uh, supporting a lot of families in the district in Berlin. And she says all these support structures are breaking away. And she knows there are children being beat up right now. There are women being beat up right now. Um, There's a, I think Greenland, um, she said, uh, actually prohibited alcohol for the time being right now, just because Uh they know that it's a big factor and my friend said she actually would welcome that as well, even though it, of course, brings other problems with it for people that are um, could become more aggressive over the first one or two days when they drink, excess can't access alcohol. But uh, for families, it's definitely a factor that is propelling uh, threats up. Um, and, yeah, it's just, you know, every kind of volunteer support, every kind of support that visits you at their homes, Um all that is breaking away for an um, for a time that is not yet really known how long it would take.
1: Uh, yeah. So
2: that's definitely a huge problem. And there have been other places who've been trying a little bit to accommodate that. For example, I think pharmacies in France have been offering um, services or support when people said something like a code word um, to offer support Ooh. to women. Uh, hotels are opening up for people that need shelter. And yeah, yeah I think with so many things, um, when I first heard about the cases of domestic violence going up in China, I think I thought, oh wow, this is such a poor Um, like we're becoming witness of like the many ways and how our society is really flawed Um, and that is becoming very very clear right now as well and it's saddening and disappointing and somehow an embarrassment that this is becoming such a problem right now and uh, we don't only have to deal with the pandemic but we also have to deal with the fact that this kind of like power imbalances is very common in German households and uh, elsewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the the element of, uh, you put it really well, I think I'm gonna have to listen back to it, but um, of how flawed our societies are, it, it always makes me think like, you know, we are just, things can look good and yeah. function, yeah. but it's just like a facade that is made of, I don't know, something flimsy. Uh, and now it, if it comes down in any way, you'll find there's nothing behind it. Um, I still, of course, listen to a ton of podcasts. <laughs> um, I, now I feel like an antisocial person because I, in my own home, I live with my partner and I wear headphones during certain hours of the day because I used to just blast the podcast of working from home, but now I want to be considerate. So I have headphones on But uh, and so mm. trying to keep listening.
2: It's interesting. I also live with my partner and we both work from home. How is home office working out for you? Has it always been this way or did you have? to change any kind of
1: like oh it's it's way different i mean first (laughs) of all we have to talk about cooking at some point but uh i spent a lot of time cooking meals not that i never worried about meals for myself but i i I didn't i have a thing where if i'm cooking for more than just me i want to do something a little extra or i want to do it right uh, so lunch takes much longer now. Yeah, but isn't uh, it great?
2: you <laughs> suddenly have time for these ridiculously complex meals. All of a sudden, uh, I just started making, um, I think that was my highlight, then you have to tell me yours, but I, I think a couple of days ago, I started making vegetarian fish sauce and not just because I wanted to have vegetarian fish sauce, but no, because I wanted to make kimchi the next day. <laughs> and obviously yeah. I needed like a vegetarian replacement for that. By the way, cooking nori leaves and water really does the job.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. I, I've been talking a lot about making kimchi here because uh, I still have a little saved up from from I bought it though. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, but um, but I'm I'm just, I'm trying to look for the right container and people are telling me that's silly, just start jar. <laughs>
2: well, I would say you want to have the right container.
1: Yeah, I don't want any accidents.
2: No, no, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> actually, when I did the kimchi and I finally had it all done, I mean, it was obviously a huge mess in the kitchen because I, in the process, um, I think I would say I got, how would you say? <laughs> I was taken... Carried away a little bit, (laughs) and I think I overdid the uh, massaging of the cabbage a little bit. Maybe I mixed it up with (laughs) the sauerkraut. But when I was done and I put it all in the mason ball jars, Mm. white mouth, um, I was actually horrified. Like when I looked at the kimchi and it was looking back at me, I was like, "Are you going to explode on me?" Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what do I? What should I do? And I was every day. You know, you started. You want to make food for yourself to eat, but what you end up doing instead is like honing your um, somewhat alive fermentation bacteria and letting out the gas every day so it wouldn't explode in your kitchen and definitely ruin home office for good. Uh, yeah, I'm also right. afraid of it like intoxicating me. Like what if this entire fermentation um, is a scam? <laughs>
1: No, I, I think this is going to discourage me even more. Actually, oh no! I mean,
2: but <laughs> actually, it, the the smell was um <laughs> like um how would you say comforting? Horrible! Like you know how fermentation smells. It's really strong. It's it's actually supposed to like make you gag, but instead, I was really happy about it because I felt like okay, it's working. It's working. Uh, and I, w- I visited a fermentation workshop when i was back in dc and deanwood uh, at the really great uh, deanwood gardening uh, event um rooting dc was the name of it and i went to uh, a fermentation workshop um and i learned about all the perks because <laughs> actually i went to the workshop because i felt like why is everyone do it it doesn't make any sense like i don't understand why people are so psyched after about fermentation and here i am now <laughs> waiting for fermenting to be done <laughs>
1: Uh, just a few more days and then you're 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 in it's gonna yeah i think like uh,
2: (laughs) i need two or three more days if you do it a big recommendation as long as you can try to get the uh, korean chili flakes that's the thing for the color i don't have it so it just looks disgusting but okay um if you don't want your kimchi to lie in some like brownish muddy waters and instead being uh, uh looking like really appealing um you need to get those flakes but it's Kind of hard to get these these days because I suppose they're not essential.
1: You're right. Uh, the the home The home life is also like I have mama dough, you know, uh, sourdough, and I've had this thing for maybe four years, and I've always sort of, I've treated it okay. Um, I keep it alive. Sometimes it gets borderline, then I bring it back. But now it's never been so healthy because I check on it almost every day. So um,
2: explain to me. Did you just say you had it for years?
1: Yes. <laughs> so it's
2: been hanging out in your apartment for years and it's
1: been alive. So I learned about Does it pay it. rent? <laughs> no, but it occupies quite a space in my tiny fridge. Yeah. Um but I learned about it from um from a pizza maker, a friend of mine who although we, we 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 went to school together for social sciences, but he he, he runs a pizzeria and um, he gave me some of his mama dough, which he explained, you you this is a, you got to care for this thing. And if he went on vacation, he took it with him <laughs> or he or he left someone in charge. He only drives, I think, on his vacations. Wait, he goes to okay, Italy.
2: So did you say mama dough?
1: Yeah, I say mama dough. I don't know what language that comes from, uh, but it's a sourdough starter. Okay. I see that on the internet. Oh, so
2: it's not like mother dough?
1: I think in some languages it's known as mama Do. Okay. I, I don't know. Maybe he said that from Italian. I I, I don't know why we call it Mama Do. Yeah, I was um, just wondering if what?
2: there was really Mother Doe. <laughs> I, I yeah, the starter. The starter.
1: Yeah. Muderdeeg in Dutch. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's Mamma Do. But also because you give it to others, right? It's a thing. And this is another development in the last few weeks. No one ever really cared that i have such a thing but now i've had two friends say oh we're messing around with bread uh you can't get yeast anymore i think uh, mark can we have some of your mama dough (laughs) and and now i'm looking at my mama dough like you need to dress up because we're going to go out (laughs) so i'm feeding it extra and like kind of working on its color and i want it to be really presentable yeah it'll be the best
2: version of itself like literally (laughs)
1: Wear are your Sunday best. We're going out there and you're going to start living with someone else. Pieces of you. Anyway. Oh, God, that's horrible. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Actually, in Germany, um, and if there are German listeners uh, who've been... There are. Who are not, okay, good. Oh, uh, second people, part. They will crack up laughing, but there used to be a thing called Hermann, and it still exists. It's... Um, Uh, We gave it a name, the sourdough starter that was passed around. And when I was in elementary school, I think it was making the rounds among mothers. And I think every second person had the um, joyful experience of going into the kitchen in the morning and seeing Hermann dripping from the fridge (laughs) and just basically starting to devour your apartment because that's where you were supposed to put your Hermann. Uh, but wow! Some people just didn't work out. Uh, you, you added water, wow. and then it just uh, bloated too much. And it was just like, I think it happened to me, uh, to my mom. It happened to two other moms that hammer was um, creepily climbing down the fridge, uh, trying to kill you.
1: Uh, oh wow! Add you
2: to their sourdough mix.
1: Um, oh, okay. J- just to add some some information, then the the mama dough in the fridge slows down its uh, its growth, so it actually doesn't change much day to day. Not much. A little. Um,
2: yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the hammer you put outside for, I think, oh, two yeah. or three days or something.
1: Oh, then it'll start doing yeah. things. Yeah.
0: The president of the United States has the authority to do what the president has the authority to do, which is very powerful. The president of the United States calls the shot.
1: But uh, but uh, no, I brought that up, the, um, the, the listening to podcasts with headphones, by the way, uh, because I was listening to, and this is going back to the subject of society um, kind of showing its frailness or or what was the word? I don't know. We had a good term for it. But I'm listening to this podcast, Planet Money,
2: which I've listened Ooh, to for a long time. That's one of the few podcasts that I also listen to occasionally ah. every couple of months, I, I mean.
1: And I, I like it lately because they ask questions about the virus, but also healthcare, And they were looking at New York, uh, which of course at this moment is still one of the big, uh, they call them hotspots, I'll just use the media word, um, for coronavirus. And they were explaining um, uh, interesting historical facts. So New York now, today, I mean, even before this virus, has less beds per citizen than it did during the, Last One of the last major, which might have been the, the Spanish flu, I'm not sure. Um, so and it was the question, wait a minute, the city has grown, but they have less hospital beds. And like, well, yeah, and then there's sort of a, they got an economist, which is an interesting choice to say, well... Um, Healthcare is better qualitatively or, or, or overall, so you don't have to go to the hospital for things, and you don't have to stay long. Um, and he was presenting it as a positive, you know, like, it's okay, we don't have as much room in hospitals because we don't need it, we're healthier. Um, but I don't know, you know, and then they were talking about how, on the other hand, if there's ever a big problem... Uh, we need all kinds of field hospitals and conference centers, and we don't have equipment. And um, and this just, yeah, when you said seeing how society is uh, f- frail and kind of uh, just not what it claims to be, uh, th- th- listening to this show kind of reminded me of that.
2: Yeah, I think in, in many ways, you know, when I think about healthcare system in Germany or elsewhere, there's a degree of understanding that i think a lot of us have which can be um scary but i think we understand that a system cannot permanently be equipped for the worst case scenario for economical reasons but then again (laughs) that is also a deliberate priority setting right i mean obviously like we can't have um a massive like uh a thousand percent more beds available than there's usually needed.
3: Mm. But
2: Mm -hmm. it's still, like, I I definitely don't have an answer to that. It's just weird because I do understand that reasoning a little bit, that um, things can be scarce in the healthcare system for economical reasons. But then again, I mean, there's definitely more to that than just the beds that are available. But on the other hand, um, everyone says our health system has been so... Um, so, so much subject to cost-effective uh, um, calculations um, that are just way over the top. Um, and I think we definitely cross the line there to a certain extent that's understandable. But then again, like all the healthcare and social security and, um, I mean, health also extends to, like goes across the hospital walls, right? It's also community health, um, available healthcare, education, um, shelters and whatever um drug abuse and so on uh how's that being dealt with but yeah i mean it's weird because there's a certain extent we can all i think somehow sympathize or understand what they're saying but it's just too extreme um
1: yeah yeah yeah. And and so, yeah, that was the, the healthcare question. And, and of course, the, these questions will keep being asked. Um, but then, you know, it's all the other areas as well, uh, jobs, uh, employers that are now, of course, laying people off um, when they can, because in some places, there might be some rules that don't allow. But even in my neighborhood, uh, you know, to have a shop in this part of Amsterdam, the rent is high. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's very high per month. So you need, you know, you count on the fact that there's just going to be enough people buying whatever it is you're making. Well, I'm thinking here of food. Um, but um, if anything happens that doesn't allow for that, um, you still have to pay each month. And that it's just very hard to go on uh, without earning income or earning far less than you usually do. And it's just, there's no plan for this. There's no recourse. Uh, I mean, I mean, Unless they quickly adopt some emergency measures, which I hear they're working on, but I'm I'm told that everything so far is really small potatoes. It won't last. Yeah.
2: Um, we have yeah. a, a thing here in Berlin. I don't know if that's also um, coming in other places, but I, that I really appreciate. So there's a website we, we have um, for a lot of shops in Berlin. They now offer vouchers in a voucher shop. And you can um, purchase vouchers for that restaurant or that shop or that clothing uh, apparel store or whatever, which I think is kind of a nice idea. A big caveat, of course, is you don't know if that restaurant is going to survive this, but, wow. um, but you can still like buy vouchers for I don't know 25, 50 or 100 bucks, which helps them to get at least some kind of revenue, which I think is a really great idea.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that is something. No, I haven't heard about the voucher system here. Not yet. Um, Hey, I I wanted to ask, you're you're one of the, I think you're one of the founding members of Heart of Code. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember doing a podcast there for for Source Code Berlin. Um, Of course, hackerspaces, but specifically Heart of Code, you can't meet in person these days. But um, how does the Heart of Code uh, community sort of keep, keep alive in times like this? How does a a hackerspace keep alive in times like this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's a great question. I think there are different answers to this or or some interesting aspects about the hackerspaces in Berlin. So on the one hand, um, a lot of them have joined together and started 3D printing uh, frames for face masks for hospitals or medical care, uh, which I think was really great. Um, Heart of Code also provided... Uh, From what I know, they're um, uh, 3D printers for that kind of work. There have been some hack spaces involved in that, uh, which I think is really great. And I think also trying to support people um, in in less privileged spaces than Berlin. Um, So that activity has been going on and people have been keeping busy, which I think is really wonderful. Um, And then on the other hand, um, it's true we don't have in-person meetings anymore. We stopped doing that quite a while ago. But um, we do... And I, I would say, like, with so many places, Heart of Code, you know, is a hack space where we welcome new members and we do stuff together. We are active. Um, but then it's also community and of, of friends. Um, and we are really, really a lot in touch. And I think a lot of us are really, yeah, grateful and thankful for the fact that they have this kind of network available. And um, we've been having... Uh, meetings uh, on on meet Um, we've been watching movies together actually Uh, we've been chatting uh, we've been sending photos and uh, yeah some of us you know um, there are also situations where one of us just needs to talk to someone and they can reach out and say hey can someone give me a call Uh, since some of us are alone at home um, and that's definitely um, I think there's a lot of solidarity happening towards people that are are not as fortunate as others and are in the situation right now and don't live in shared flats who don't live with their partner. Um, So there's a lot of active reaching out and a great sense of community right now and helping and supporting. Um, A couple of us had to self-quarantine and people were offering to uh, go shopping for them. And there's a lot of exchange. Um, There's obviously also a lot of photos of my kimchi (laughs) asking for advice um, on what to do if it, Uh, And and telling people, if I don't react for a couple of weeks, then be assured that the kimchi has won the war. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and and stuff like that. So I think um, a lot of us, I would hope that a lot of us have these kind of networks available right now that are not your family or your partner or your romantic uh, relationship, whatever. But there's also friends and communities and networks that are offering a lot of support and company right now, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that is really great to see and as so often, I'm really happy and grateful that I'm part of the Heart of Code and that I have these friends available, um, that I have these friends that I can talk to and exchange and talk about fears, feelings, um, and uh, yeah, while we're cooking.
1: It's nice to know that you know that when the hackerspace movement, I'll call it movement mm-hmm. because that's what it was, is um, it was always about at some level, we're going to get together in this space and we're going to do, and you know, wonderful creative things uh, in person. But now it's like the great thing is maybe like you said before, the in-person stuff helps you establish some trust, some bond, but that bond or that that uh, connection now lives on uh, even if we can't see each other right now um, and we can help each other out. Uh, right now uh, by having these conversations, be it about a topic that is um, emotional or or, or uh, extremely serious, let's say, or something is not that kimchi isn't serious, but uh, perhaps less essential
2: question mark.
1: Um, but it's nice to know that yeah, you can you can do that too. It
2: contains vitamin C.
1: Yeah. The minute I said less essential, I thought about the entire Korean peninsula and I thought that's not I can't I got to be careful. I need listeners. Maybe. Um
2: yeah, and, kimchi
1: is essential. There we go.
2: And I think it's it's you know, it's weird to say stuff like this, but you know, you can put everything into grand perspective and relation and make everything seem irrelevant or super relevant. Um hmm. but I think like on a personal and maybe local scale um, there are things that are positive um, outcomes. There are things that are happening that are nice and beautiful to see. And I think it's important to cherish and value these as well, even though, I mean, we just talked about uh, a while ago, we talked about uh, India, right? And that is one of the places where I'm most concerned about because people, you know, they are starving at home. um, And that's, absolutely awful and it's hard to um, ignore that fact but we have these things these things going on all the time but I think for like personal mental health and well-being no one's there's no point in trying and not trying to be happy uh, mm-hmm. though those things are happening and you know respecting and valuing these little things that are happening for example people reaching out to old friends and um you know keeping old friendships going or reviving them, Is something beautiful that's happening. Um, Certainly me uh, making kimchi is something beautiful that's happening, but also, you know, understanding values and reevaluating them and hopefully learning a lot um, from the situation right now. Uh, And I would say the, the bonds and the friendships that we see um, strengthening right now is definitely one of the more beautiful outcomes um, that we should all, you know, allow to give us some Uh, solace. Yeah. Yeah
1: yeah i i went out uh, maybe my, my last story of of how things are these days but yesterday um so i have a street that is now uh, you can't park cars anymore they made gardens out of the parking spaces <laughs> And they built some crazy parking garage nearby uh, underground. But um, so now we have these spaces, and some of the gardens are taken care of. So I've had one that I take care of with a neighbor of mine and a few other people water it too. Um, and it's great, it's been around for a year already. There's another one very near to my front door that has kind of been neglected the city put in some basic green things that aren't very nice and people kind of just i don't know ignore it finally yesterday we took over this garden um we weeded it we planted seeds we put a little uh not a fence but a little sign that humans take care of this space um on it and and all the neighbors were kind of outside yesterday at a distance from one another but also kind of looking at the garden somewhere in their windows and and some part of me thought are we doing a bad thing here? Cause we're supposed to be really, really like hiding inside. Um, but then, you know, my, even my partner says, Hey, we, we keep a distance and this is good for, you know, us and and our neighbors. And, you know, but it's funny how everything I do now is sort of the question like, Oh, am I, is this too, is this, am I enjoying myself too much? Is, <laughs> yeah, you know. absolutely.
2: but then again, I, that's what I really appreciate that here we had this I felt like somewhat thought through contact prohibition um, instead of a clear lockdown where people are still allowed to go outside, which I think is also really important for the uh, somewhat implicit uh, solidarity structures that we have, um, that people go shopping for each other, um, that we help each other, that we see each other if we can, or if we're allowed to. And um, I mean, there's been recently, there's been a push or demand by the, uh, I think federal union of uh, federal police union that said we need to close down the parks because people are not uh, sort of um, obeying the orders where I thought no this is not okay this is not true parks are an incredible important recreational space right now more important than ever um, and people are when you go to the parks in Berlin it might seem at first like a little bit Too crowded. But then when you take a closer look, it's very clear that people are keeping a distance. It's a maximum of two people, or if there are three or more people, it's obviously a family, or I would Mm -hmm. hope uh, a shared flat. Yes. People are really cautious when it comes to that. And I mean, just um, two days ago, I went for a very, very long walk in in Brandenburg uh, with my partner's dog, and it was so important. And I don't want that to go away. And, you know, especially for people that are a bit older or Um, people that don't have this garden available, they don't have as many social contacts, like going out and just taking a walk and being amid human beings, even though it's at a distance is, um, survival, uh, in many ways. And, um, and it's good for us and there's no need, we need to suffer more than necessary, um. And I, I mean, I would say like going to a supermarket is more dangerous than being in a in an open air park with a certain distance. So yeah, yeah. but I, I'm glad to see that this is not really being given into. So parks are still available. And as you probably know, Berlin has a lot of parks uh, and it's really important for our social life. Uh, yeah. So that's still available. Yeah.
1: Well, oh, yeah. So yeah it's it's i agree i agree and i've I've seen what you're talking about as as the the good that it can do uh in a time where it's hard to perhaps for everyone to feel um happy comfortable healthy uh of course i think we all know people that are going through a hard time right now whether they're sick or i i know a number of people that just this everything going on right now it makes them every day they wake up and they're they're scared or they're um panicking a little bit um and so yeah we, we we need what we can get in terms of human contact in a safe form yeah. oh and that brings me to the whole ending cliche <laughs> <You can> get <laughs> Wait, that human before contact we and...
2: go there what was your <laughs> most complex meal you've cooked in the last
1: oh piece? I made a courgette uh, uh, zucchini bread. Uh, Wait, they call it zucchini cake, but I don't know. It's this whole thing of banana bread, which is essentially cake. So this is a cake based on zucchini. Yeah, Um, I
2: think I've eaten that kind of stuff before. Yeah,
1: that's great. Yeah, I I, I, recall
2: it. I I recall being a bit disgusted (laughs) when I turned off, Uh, but then I I ate a piece obviously, because I always do. Um, and It was actually delicious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, good stuff. Uh, And I think after that, the most complicated thing I made was a, I I found this recipe for um, sweet potato uh, burritos. (gasps) What? Yeah. And so it involved a lot of things (laughs) And, and a slow cooking of a lot of things in a large pot. Um, so that just made it feel very complicated. In the end, the taste was super, mostly because of the sweet potato, despite all the other characters involved. Um, and it was just really easy to eat, actually, for something so complex. Yeah,
2: it's funny, I feel like there are a lot of, Gorgeous meals out there that are basically came out of the need for a good leftover meal, but that only works when you traditionally have a lot of Mexican leftovers because you cook Mexican food all the time. um, or Uh, But if you don't, you have to shop all these things. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Cook them. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, you might think, "Oh, I have a lot of can. If it's cans, I have a lot of canned food. This is going to last me forever." But if you make a good giant pot of something that goes into a burrito, you're gonna you're gonna run out of canned food pretty fast. <laughs> Although you'll have leftovers. So. Yes, you will. You yeah, yeah. Fiona, it's great to talk to you. Um, yeah, thank you so much for reaching out. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've, I've, I keep an eye on your activities anyway, but this helps fill in the blanks Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm glad to be able to share it with people. I think that a lot of things that we talk about, be they food or be they life, wait, life is food. But, um, I think that many people can relate. And it's also, some people will say, oh, I'm tired of talking about the virus. But I think what we're more talking about is, is humanity and, and how, how's humanity doing and, and what can we do within the spaces we have
2: yeah it's true um yeah we're definitely talking about things that make us human right now even though we yeah. are stripped away from other things that we thought are very human like mobility mm-hmm. visiting people hugging people or working and now it's um we have to uh cling to other things um that are not less human at all
1: well said <laughs> like- so yeah, it's great to hear from you. Uh, I'll put in links to some of the things that we've talked about, including Heart of Code and at, at Octopus Citizen, of course. <laughs> um, and if you think of something else that I shouldn't miss on linking, you can just tell me later. I'll I'll throw it in. Um, yeah, but thank you. Thank you, too. Fiona Krakenberger works at the Open Tech Fund, is also a lover of Heart of Code. She also likes... Diversity, organizations, internet freedom, possibly Kim Chi. You can follow her at, at Octopus Citizen on Twitter. And that will do it for this edition of Citizen Reporter. I want to mention that music for today's podcast, this song and also previously in the program, is by Tom Brousseau, who, like so many artists, Can't do the thing he does best, which is tour and of course play wonderful music. So he has two albums available now. You can find him online at Tom Brousseau, and Tom is gracious enough to always let me use his music. Anyway, until next time, all the links are on citizenreporter.org. Subscribe, follow, whatever it is you can do to get the program. I appreciate you listening, and I'll be back very soon. Next up, we're going to Kansas City. Until then, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. See you.
3: Like he don't
0: know what to do, Marsh. even make up his mind. I put words in Anthony's mouth, by the way, and I like him. Today I walk in, I hear I'm going to fire him. I'm not firing him, I think he's a wonderful Why did you guy. you something that Why did you said fire Fauci? Hashtag, Why did
1: you?
0: Fire Fauci. I retweeted somebody. I don't know. They said fire. Doesn't matter. Did you notice that when you retweeted Yeah, I, I notice everything. So
1: Tweeted it even though
2: it said time to fire. No, Fauci.
0: no, that's somebody's opinion. All that is is an opinion. Read it and you elevated No, it. I was called about that. I said, I'm not firing. In fact, if you ask your friends in the office, in the public relations office, I was immediately called upon that. And I said, No, I like him. I think he's terrific. Because this was a person's view. Not everybody's happy with Anthony. Not everybody's happy with everybody. But I will tell you, we have done a job the likes of which nobody's ever done. The mobilization, getting of equipment, all of the things we've done. Nobody's ever done a job like this. We have 50 governors and territories, by the way. People don't ever mention that. We have territories. An
3: the sun changed the color of the room. It's too late now straighten things out. We'll have to leave like it is constantly reminded each and every time when my eyes look up to the wall things just sort of happen in a way